in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. Welcome to the show, a long wait since our, our last one, and mainly I guess the reason for that is I started calling Augsburg men's and women's hockey and basketball and doing a whole bunch of games on top of the high school schedule. Didn't really have a whole lot of time um, to to record, but fellas, it's good to be back. BG and Randy here with me tonight as a lot of breaking news has happened, and we're not really a breaking news podcast, BG, but... We're going to hit some of the Timberwolves stuff here tonight as the news just broke um, about an hour ago with some trade rumors. We'll hit that in a little bit. We're going to start with some Vikings talk. Then we'll get into some T-Wolves stuff and a little bit of Super Bowl coverage before we end things tonight. But starting with the Vikings, the A topic, BG, a new defensive coordinator, has been hired. It was, I believe, a 19-day search um, for a new defensive coordinator. Pretty long in, in terms of NFL coaching searches. And many of the Vikings fans before the news was announced on Monday were starting to get cynical, like, oh, we missed our chance. Why haven't we hired anybody? Why doesn't anybody want to come work for us? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, at the end of the day, the Vikings get Brian Flores, who I think was the number one guy all along, uh, who is very credentialed, very qualified, longtime Bill Belichick disciple and, and defensive coordinator for the Patriots. He worked 11 seasons with Bill Belichick and the Patriots, eight seasons on the defensive side of things. He won the Super Bowl with New England back in 2018, I believe it was, as his defense gave up just three points to the Rams in the Super Bowl. Um, He was with Miami most recently, got fired, uh, and I don't know if I should have looked more into the legal um, litigation he's in with, with the NFL right now. A couple of different lawsuits against a couple of different teams. And I think we can get into that at a later date. But what is very exciting about hiring Flores, obviously, like I mentioned, he's super qualified, but he brings a completely different uh, defensive mindset, you could say, to uh, the Vikings and what they had with the previous defensive regime. Um, And it's going to be a lot of blitzing. And we saw we were one of the least uh, likely teams to blitz in the NFL. Our blitz rate was, I think, bottom two or three when it was all said and done in the NFL. And so it'll be interesting to see what Flores does as, as far as a personnel team. I mean, are we going to be a 4-3? Are we going to be a 3-4 like we were last year? I think everything right now that I've heard is leaning back to getting into that 4-3. We'll, we'll see what happens, but I think that would be beneficial to the players we have on roster. But the other question that you have to ask is, do the Vikings, does Quasi, does KOC, do they think it's a scheme issue with the previous defensive regime, or do they think it's a player issue? And I think the next couple of weeks and the next month, really, before that March 20th cap hit for a bunch of the Vikings free agents comes into play here in about a month, we're going to figure out what the Vikings think. Was it a scheme issue? Was it a player issue Uh, based on what they do? And we'll get into a bunch of the free agents that have cap hits coming on March 20th in just a little bit. But BG, your initial reaction to Brian Flores being hired as the Vikings' new defensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm really excited that Flores is coming to the Vikes to be our DC. Um, when you were saying earlier, I was kind of going through the same thing that the some Vikings fans were going through where 
you know, we have these great names on our list, and then slowly, one by one, they're getting poached from us and being DCs elsewhere. Um, I forget the other guy we were interviewing, but he eventually signed on to be the defensive coordinator for the Panthers. Um, and I thought it was – I'm blanking on his name right now, but it was between him and Flores who I thought um, would make the best candidate for the Vikings D. And now just after the fact, I'm I'm really happy that we have Flores as the D.C. It's a total 180 flip on the head from Ed Donatel to the defense that Flores likes to um, put together for the team. Like you said, we're going to do a lot of blitzing, which – if you had watched the game with me all last season, that's what I said we had to do more and more of, especially with some of these guys that we had, Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter. Again, don't know if they're going to be on the team, both of them, one of them, none of them next year. But just crazy to me that we were in the bottom two, three, four, five teams and blitzing with some of the players that we had on our team. So really happy that we're going to be doing more blitzing for this upcoming year. Um, I know it's a lot of man-to-man on the defensive backs, especially for the cornerbacks. Um which begs the question, what's going to happen to Patrick Peterson? Because he was a really good, really good zone cornerback for us, not the best in man. Um, Now he's in his younger, mid-30s, very tough to be there, a good man quarterback in the NFL at that age. But as you saw, we went 13-4 and um, last season for the Vikings, and we had one of the worst defenses in the league, if not the worst defense in the league. So I think doing a 180 flip from Donatel is going to make us hopefully – better automatically um, and go with more of the trend in the NFL that you're going to bring pressure, you're going to play zone or coverage zero on defense and bring just about everybody and make the quarterback get it out of his hands before he's ready to. And, I mean, that's what defenses did to Kirk. They pressured him and made him feel uncomfortable, which was rarely seen in a Vikings game where it seemed like we had the quarterback rattled, where Mac Jones played the game of his life. Um, where Matt Ryan played a great game as well. It's, I'm hoping that'll be great for the Vikings moving forward, and it's just exciting now to have a head coach who's really the offensive coordinator and now a new defensive coordinator who are both young guys and proven um, who can hopefully lead this team in a new direction uh, for the foreseeable future now. Um, we'll see if Flores has too good of a season and goes elsewhere. I know he was up for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching position and interesting interesting. Lee enough, he decided to go for a defensive coordinator job over head coach. Not sure if he had that one in the bag or if the whole Kyler Murray saga over there kind of steered him away. But um, I think we'll enjoy having Flores on the staff next year, and I think hopefully we're going to improve from the bottom three defense to at least higher up um, beyond there. Yeah, Evero, I believe, is the defensive coordinator who just got hired by the Panthers. Yeah, the Denver guy, right? Yep, the former Denver coach. Interesting, though, to note on the uh, Flores hire, he turned down a second interview with the Cardinals for their head coaching position. He was in line to take an interview. It would have actually been today, Wednesday, at the time of recording here. Uh, He turned the second interview down to take the Vikings' D.C. job, and that was, again, the the Cardinals' head coaching position. So definitely some questions there, I guess, for another time with Arizona. How bad is the situation there (laughs) that they have coaches turning down a second head coaching interview to take a defensive coordinator job. That's a conversation for another time. Flores, though, with the Dolphins, three seasons, he was 24 and 25, 19 and 14, I believe, though, in his last two seasons. He ended both seasons with a winning record. In year two, I think they were 10 and 6 and missed the playoffs, and then maybe 9 and 6 or 9 and 7 uh, the following year. No, that could be, yeah, I think they were nine wins in, this, in the following year. And then he was fired. 
um, some allegations and a text message actually from Bill Belichick that might have uh, initiated the lawsuit from Flores, but Bill Belichick um, sent a text message to Flores meant for Brian Dable. At least that's what we're meant to believe. Uh, but it essentially said congratulations on getting the Giants head coaching job. This was meant to be to Brian Dable. And this was before Flores was set to interview with the Giants. And Flores saw that and was like, well, why am I even interviewing if they already have um, their head coaching candidate picked? Uh, anyway, long story short, it turns into a, a lawsuit. I don't even know if we found out the result of that yet. It was filed last season. Um, by Brian Flores. So I'll look a little bit more into that, but let's get into some of the big free agents coming up, EG, and some potential cuts, um, extensions, and maybe a reworking of contracts for the Vikings. But the free agents, the key ones, um, we'll start with them. Patrick Peterson, you mentioned him just a moment ago. He was very good in zone coverage this season in the the Ed Donatel kind of shell defense. Uh, I think he had... God, I don't know how many interceptions, actually. I was going to say five, but I know Harry Hitman had five. If you could look that up, that'd yep. be great. But I, there was a couple of game-clinching interceptions. I mean, the big one that stands out is is he forced Josh Allen into an interception in that Bills game. He did it a couple other times with just his experience, his deception as a veteran corner. I think he's going to be 33 next season. Five interceptions last season. Okay, so five interceptions for Pat P. He will be a free agent, and the question is, do they think he can hold up in the man coverage in the coverage zero that Flores loves to run on the outside, that kind of Bill Belichick-esque defense where it's a lot of man, a lot of blitzing on the inside, but then, yeah, it forces the corners to be really disciplined and to be really good on an island on the outside. Can the 33-year-old next year, Patrick Peterson, handle that situation in that circumstance? Uh, maybe. But I, I think what Quasi and this team wants to do, unless they get a really friendly deal with Pat Peep to bring him on as a depth guy, I think they're going to move on from him or let him walk, rather, in free agency. We'll see what happens. But that would be my inclination on Patrick Peterson. Dalvin Tomlinson is another one. He's got a $7.5 million cap hit against the 23 cap, regardless of where he plays next season. So I think it would be a guy for Tomlinson who was, I think he missed four games, but he was pretty effective when he was in there for the Vikings on the interior defensive line where they've struggled tremendously to get pressure from. Didn't have a lot of pressure, but had some PFLs, was good on the run game. And when you look at the cap hit over the next couple of years, even if he's not with the Vikings, it would make sense to try to give him an extension rather to give him a deal. He's a free agent, but to give him a deal that would keep him here for a little bit longer so we'd not... I mean, you know, dead money of seven and a half million for no reason. Um, the next one in BG, I'll bring you in on this one because this is really the first key one to me. Um, but it's Garrett Bradbury, and I mean, unless in my mind you have a day one starter in the draft that you're ready to go select, or you have somebody in free agency that's going to step in, I don't see why you get rid of Garrett Bradbury. I guess the other reason would be if he wants some sort of ridiculous deal. I mean, he's a 20 to 30 center in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, he's not in the top half of centers. He's okay in certain situations against big defensive tackles or nose tackles, rather. He struggles tremendously. We saw it in the playoff game against the Giants. Um, but I think if you can get him on a team-friendly deal, you bring back Garrett Bradbury. He was a lot better this year. It was a contract year, obviously, for him. A lot to prove. Uh, but I've liked his progression the last couple of years, and I think if you can get him on a team-friendly deal, you bring him back. Your take, BG, on Bradbury 
next season. Yeah, I hope that we bring him back. Um, it's not like we have unbelievable depth at the center position, which is why he's probably playing in the first place. But he did have a really good season last year. Um, before last season started, I was ready to give him the, the red X and have him go elsewhere. But he really proved himself on his contract year, and I think he deserved it. He's not going to be you know, making 20, 30 million uh, or whatever the top linemen in the league make. But I think that he deserved and earned a spot on this Vikings team, and we really need it um, on the offensive line. I think that we should target elsewhere position-wise on positions that we actually need um, and hope to retain guys like that um, that proved themselves and had a really good season for us last year. Yeah, I don't hate the take. Um, as far as the rest of the free agents, I have some other things we can talk about as well, but Chan Sullivan, another guy who was a free agent this season uh, or after this year, 107.8 was his pass rating when targeted this season. That's not very good. I think the NFL average for pass rating was like 87 or something like that. So when you're being targeted at a 107.8 clip, um, that's not very good for Chan Sullivan. Again, it's another guy you could say, was it a scheme issue? Um was it, uh, and that's something that they say about Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, who had a very poor year, Aaron Hicks as well. Was it a scheme issue or was it uh, our guys getting older on the defensive end? A question I think we're going to learn the answer to, or at least have a better idea of what the general manager and what the front office of the Vikings think in the next month before that March 20th cap hit goes into place. Uh, another guy, Alexander Madison. Another big one. He doesn't have a lot of wear and tear, and this this is where I like a lot. Here's a stat that jumps out to me. He's got 400 carries in the last four seasons. It's very minimal wear and tear on a running back, and especially I think he's like 25, something like that. He'd have a pretty team-friendly deal if we could get it, and especially if you can find a way to move away from Dalvin Cook, whether that's trading him for a mid-round pick, simply cutting him, you'd have some dead cap space to incur there. Um, but if you can find some sort of trade uh, to send Dalvin Cook away. I'd love to bring in Alexander Madison uh, for another couple of years on a pretty team-friendly deal, assuming that he'd be running back one. You wouldn't, I mean, I, I would think there'd be a lot to sell there for the Vikings and, and to try to get Madison to agree to something like that. Um, back on the defensive side of things, Duke Shelley, um, who I think was making $480,000 last season. Um, he was one of the best corners when targeted. And he only played the you know the back half of the season, not even the back half of the season. It was like four or five games that Duke Shelley got the start, but he had 11 pass, pass breakups on 281 targets. His passer rating when targeted was like 85, and the only one better than that was Patrick Peterson. But one of our best corners when targeted, especially in big game situations, and they targeted the 5'9 corner quite a bit um, for the number of snaps he got. Uh, but... The question on Duke Shelley, is it uh, a Case Keenum-type lightning-in-a-bottle season that he just had, or is he going to be somebody you can rely on um, to play on the outside? Uh, something that Quasey and this front office is going to have to come up with. If I had to guess, I would say he's more of a lightning-in-a-bottle type of guy, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with Duke Shelley. Um, the last real free agent, there's a couple others as well, but Greg Joseph and Andrew DePaula on the special teams, what do you do with them? Greg Joseph up and down. He had his struggles at times. He was pretty good at the end. He didn't. He wasn't the reason we we lost this season. He did make the 61-yarder um, on Christmas Eve, I believe it was, uh, and he was pretty good down the stretch. Andrew DePaula was the first All-Pro center and or long snapper for the Vikings in quite a while. 
and he was all pro this season for DePaula. You got to think he will be back, but I think Joseph is the bigger question mark for the Vikings right now. All right, BG, I got some scenarios for you here. Potential cuts, moves, restructures. Um, your thoughts on, I got, let's see, five players for us here, and then we'll write, wrap up Vikings talk. We'll start with Adam Thielen. His cap hit next season is just shy of $20 million. It's 19 uh, 0.97 million. Cut him now. You save 6.4 million against the cap, um, with 35 or excuse me, 13.5 million dollars in dead money next season. Trade him. You obviously have no dead cap money. Um, and I believe there is if you cut him post June 1st, you have a little bit more dead money, but it's around the same six million dollars saved against the cap. Yeah, I think. Sorry. Go ahead. I think with us being already over the cap as much as we are with the Vikings. I do love Thielen. I loved everything that he's done for the organization. He should be in the Vikings ring of honor when he decides to be done playing, but I think it's probably the smartest thing to cut him and save that $6 million. I think this past year, and especially this upcoming year, he's no better than K.J. Osborne, um, where we have Jefferson, we have K.J. Osborne, we have T.J. Hawkinson as our top three uh, targets. That's pretty good. And then we can definitely fill that in with a third receiver who makes a hell of a lot less than Thielen. So that's my take on that. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. If you can get Thielen to re-sign uh, or to restructure rather under a very team-friendly deal, bring him back. But he certainly lost his step. Um, the injury issues are still kind of a question for him. He's getting into his 30s. Now, I think he's 32 right now. will be 33 next season. Um, but, yeah, if, unless you can get him on back on a restructured team-friendly deal, uh, try to trade him or cut him. Uh, and take that money where we can get it. Here's a big one now. Eric Kendricks' cap hit next season is $11.4 million. You would recoup $9.5 million if you cut him now. Could mean restructuring, though, for Eric Kendricks because of that massive amount of money you would get back. There's only like $2 million in cap in dead cap money for the Vikings if they were to cut him. That could mean for Kendricks kind of forced into a situation where he restructures your thoughts on that. Yeah, my ideal hope is that we could restructure Kendricks he didn't have the best year last year but the year before that and the year before that he has just been lights out so I kind of almost want to just attribute it to being a scheme thing I think that Barr a couple years ago really kind of just got old and his talent was getting lesser and lesser but I don't feel that way about Kendricks I still think he has a lot to offer and the linebackers I think were our worst group in the defense out of the defensive line the defensive backs and the linebackers so we need somebody there who's a veteran and has got some talent. So whether he restructures or not, I, I just really hope that we can bring him back because he's a leader for our defense and he's done some great stuff for us in the past. Yep. And we'll be under contract. So even if they don't restructure, he'll still be under contract barring any sort of trade. But the next one, Harrison Smith, his cap hit next season is $19 million. 1.5 of that $19 million will kick in on March 20th. This is the first guy. Uh, that we've talked about so far that has a, a little bit of money that kicks in after March 20th. So I would expect an early decision uh, on Harry Smith, whether that be to keep him, which I think the team is leaning toward, uh, another guy who had kind of a down season for the Vikings, but somebody who I would attribute scheme-related. I mean, he was he's not a center field type of guy. He's a run downhill, blitz every once in a while, move all over the field, try to disguise what he's doing rather than just sitting back in the middle of the field trying to protect the rest of Ed Donatel's defense. That's what he did in 2022. 
Um, I, I think you try everything in the book to keep Harrison Smith around because he could be an absolute weapon in Brian Flores' blitz-heavy offense. Yeah, I hope we keep him as well. I think we're going to keep him too. And it's, it's ultimately going to be up to Flores and what he wants to do with his defense and who he wants as a leader um, backing up that defense in the secondary. And, I mean, if I was a defensive coordinator and I looked at the group we had um, – excluding Patrick Peterson because he's kind of in the same boat. I would love to have a veteran who has had some great years. Maybe he's not in his prime anymore, but he would certainly treat uh, the Vikings to still being a great player um, and having that veteran leadership and experience where he's going to do more so than just his play on the field. It's going to spread throughout this defense with a new scheme and a new DC. I think you need an older guy who you can rely on and who can kind of set the tone and the pace on the field. Yeah, certainly. The next guy is Darius Smith, $15 million cap hit next season. You would save $12 million, though, against the cap if you cut him. Um, I don't think there was a deadline. Yeah, if you cut him before March 20th on that one. Only half a sack, though, for Zedarius after November 13th. He was fighting knee issues for the second half of that season. He was very productive in the first half. Um, but interesting to note here, he did delete all mentions of Vikings on his Instagram and Twitter account. No pictures on his Instagram anymore. No mentions of Minnesota. You would think that would suggest that he's trying to get out of town or he's trying to get a new deal. Uh, it would be hard to sign him to any more money, I guess, or to restructure this year after what he did this last season. It was a great start. He had around eight sacks. And I think he was around the top of the league um, through like week seven or eight. And then the injuries kicked in. I, like I mentioned, only half a sack. The rest of the way expect an early decision here though as well bg um on march 19th or i guess march 20th a five million dollar um, base salary kicks in for zadarius so you would expect the decision from minnesota before march 20th on that one yeah with that one i think i'm kind of split obviously it'd be great to keep him if we know he's going to be healthy for the entirety of next season which we obviously don't um he was great the first half of this past season, but I, th I think I'd be all right with him walking out the door uh, just because his health is a concern every single year. And Janarius Robinson, we've seen, seen some great stuff from him. We've got younger guys behind him. Um, I'm cool with letting him walk. I think that ideally we keep either him or Daniil Hunter, but only if it makes sense for us. And the last guy here is Dalvin Cook, $14 million cap hit next season. It's the sixth largest among running backs in the NFL. If the Vikings cut him before June 1st, they could recoup $7 million against the cap. $2 million, though, does kick in after March 20th. Dalvin Cook, I've already shared my thoughts on what I think we should do with him. Your thoughts, though, on the Vikings and Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I want Dalvin Cook. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. I wouldn't be sad if Dalvin Cook walked. I saw an article today that said it's unlikely for him to restructure his deal, so I think he's most likely going to be walking, and that's totally fine with me. Um, I would love to have Alexander Madison as our starting running back next year. I think he's got everything that it takes to be a starting running back in the NFL. He's durable. He's healthy. Um, he's strong. He's fast. Um, he's decisive, and I think it's his time. He's He's been a great backup for us now. Delvin Cook is, is still good for sure, but... I think it's time for Madison to take over the reins um, and really show the Vikings what he has to offer. And I was looking it up when you were talking. Um, there's been a lot of talk about if Delvin and if Madison both leave, who would our starting running backs be? And 
a lot of people are high on Kenne mm-hmm. Gakwu and Ty Chandler. And Alexander Madison is younger than both of those guys, which is pretty dang crazy. Um, so it's not like he's an old running back. He's 24 years old. He's absolutely in his prime. And with an expanded role, I think he'd do a really good job. Yeah, it'd definitely be interesting to see what the offense would look like with Kenne Wangwu as the starting running back. I don't think we're going to get that, though. Uh, I think it's going to be Alexander Madison. That's my hope, anyway. And with Kenne coming in as a kind of a scat back second option, which yeah, it'd I would be a good, love. It'd be a good one-two punch. Love to you know, that, that heavy hitter and then that speed with Kenne. Yep. Um, Super Bowl coming up. We'll talk about some props at the end of this show. That's all I got for Vikings talk. Randy's got something to uh, to discuss here. Rand Arias. Uh, well, um, uh, two things. One, Vikings. Uh, I think T- Ty Chandler is going to be a beast. Uh, you might remember um, he played, I think, three or four years at Tennessee um, and then transferred to Mac Brown's North Carolina team. Uh, I think he averaged over five yards, uh, five yards per carry in college and had a huge workload. Um, so, like a guy who's proven in college, at least that he can handle handle the load. Um, so, and that you know, I I might have him stashed away on my my dynasty fantasy team um, mm-hmm. for next year. So it's completely unbiased opinion on why I want him. Um, and then if we're done with Vikings, we want to touch on Aaron Rodgers quick. Yeah. Um, you know, as as the the token Packer fan on the show, I just like to get my opinion out there for all you. Uh, Minnesota, uh, Minnesota listeners, that I am done with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, get rid of him, trade him away, eat the money. I want him and Darnell Savage. Trade him to the uh, trade him to the Jets. See what you got in Jordan Love. Honestly, I'm fine with tanking this year, um, but maybe given giving um, you know giving Love some weapons at least on offense to see if he's good or not, because at the end of the day, if you win two games with Jordan Love next year, you've got Caleb Williams and, and Drake May sitting up there, um, you know, at the top of the draft class. And if you get some picks for, for Rodgers, even if those picks aren't high, because you assume anywhere he goes, they're going to be higher draft picks. You can always package those to trade up in the first round uh, next year and and pick up that quarterback. So I think most Packer fans are in the same camp as, as me. We're tired of it. Go on your four-day isolationist dark house retreat retreat you know do some do some great drugs and have fun with the <laughs> new york media that's all i've got hey, i've got nothing on that um rogers is it'd be it'd be awesome to see him out of the conference i'm just sick of seeing him in the division um and it's it's nice to hear packers fans on the same boat as us yeah i think that was the take i got from all my uh, packer relatives right around I guess it was like the Christmas season. They were all done with with Aaron Rodgers. It's awesome to hear. Um, I don't know if he's even going to play next season. Do you want to just come sit here for? It's just going to be crazy too next year if they don't have Rodgers. I mean, it'll be one of the first times in our life that they don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. It'll be the first time since my father was in high school that we haven't had Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre as as a starting quarterback, Um, which is which is pretty remarkable. And I think too, like kind of get into the football side of things. If you look at Look at the Packers under LaFleur. Um, you know, so 2019 is first season. Um, LaFleur was pretty honest, you know, even to the media that, um, you know, the, the Packers offense was a little bit of a hybrid with, with what Mike McCarthy ran. And part of that was to make it easy on Rodgers and the rest of that team, you know, just not having to learn an entire new system um, over, over the offseason because they felt like... Um, 
felt like the, the the team was in a good place, just needed some changes coaching. 2020, Rodgers bought into LaFleur's offense. That was the year that Robert, Robert Tanyan really showed out. Um, you know, the the our, our motion percentage and play action percentages were up there with Carol Shanahan's offense. Um, like that's that that's what that's what LaFleur wants to run. And then we got the 2021 it was Devontae Adams ball. Like Rodgers just used Devontae as a crutch. Get rid of Devontae this year. Rodgers doesn't throw for 300 yards. He hasn't thrown for 300 yards since November of 2021. Um, and, you know, the offense has the woes it does. So I think with Jordan Love, too, you kind of get to see what, what this Matt LaFleur offense is is really like. Um, and if even if LaFleur is the coach, you want uh, a rebuild in this team for the future. So good riddance, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's a chance he goes to... Uh, the Raiders, too, I think, especially with if you watch any Pebble Beach Pro-Am this last weekend and how those Las Vegas Raiders fans were out there petitioning for Aaron Rodgers to come to their team. <laughs> Pretty wild, um, wild events out there at Pebble Beach last weekend. Let's flip courses here. Let's go over to some basketball, some professional basketball. The Minnesota Timberwolves, 29-28. and 28. They're ninth in the West Coast Conference at the time of this recording. They're in action as we speak right now, BG on top 61-45 over... 64-45. Bryn Forbes for three. There we go. <laughs> um, so the Wolves tonight short-handed. Uh, here's their starting lineup for tonight. Then we'll get into the A topic. Um, but the starting lineup for the Timberwolves at Utah, they started Jalen Noel, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Prince and Reed, Anderson, Gobert, Rivers, Russell, and Towns all out tonight. Obviously, Russell out as we just traded D'Lo. Um, but the rest of them, um, besides Towns, I guess kind of surprises for me anyway. But the, the Timberwolves shorthanded. Nice start to the game. We'll see what happens the rest of the way against a pretty bad Utah team. But pleasantly surprised with uh, the way they started this game. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a pretty bad Utah team. But, you know, if you if you look at the the Western Conference right now is wild when you look at the standings. So the, the I think in the past two weeks, the, the Wolves have been as high as fourth place and they've been as low as... 10th place um, so they are I mean so put in perspective they're 10 games back from Denver who's number one right now the Kings are the three seed they're seven games back so just three games separate the three seed and the nine seed and in, in Utah's number 10 and they're only a, an extra game back from the Wolves so four games separating the top you know seven of the top 10 teams um, or just the eight of the top 10 teams is, is pretty remarkable in, in any sport all right, let's get into the trade news. Per Shams, this was about 7.15 tonight. The news broke um, that D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt headed to Los Angeles. Russell Westbrook and a first-round pick is headed to Utah and to your Minnesota Timberwolves. Mike Conley Jr. and three second-round picks and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So two players, three picks for the Minnesota Timberwolves in a three-way trade with the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Timberwolves BG initial early reaction to the trade news. Yeah, initial reaction, I think I was just optimistic and a little bit happy because been talking about it for over a year now that D'Lo had to go eventually. It's not like, oh my God, we're going to go win the championship this year or we're going to be a top three seed. It was just kind of like, yeah, okay, like that's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, I'm just happy that D'Lo is gone for good now. 
Um, he did have his best month as a Timberwolf by far this past month, but I didn't get sucked up in that recency bias. I, I knew he still had to go, um, and if anything, it helped his trade value uh, get increased. So hopefully we got more with this trade than we were going to maybe a month earlier if we decided to dish him out then. Um It'll be nice having Mike Conley. I was looking up his stats earlier. He hasn't done a lot of scoring this year, which is not what we want the point or what we we don't need the point guard to do for our team. We need a true point guard who, you know, runs the game, controls the offense, talks out there, gets the team under control, which is exactly the opposite of what D'Lo does for the team. And Mike Conley is averaging just under eight assists per game, 7.7 assists uh, per game this year while he's playing under 30 minutes, which is pretty dang good. Um, And I'm sure that's only going to increase with the talent that he has here in Minnesota now, um, with Towns coming back sometime after the All-Star break. It'll be interesting to see what this new, I guess revamped, if you want to call it that, Timberwolves team looks like. Um, And also with Jordan McLaughlin back, um, it'll be the – Conley and uh, McLaughlin um, rotation at point guard, which I favor highly over the D'Angelo Russell point guard rotation. So we'll see how it goes. I don't know much about Alexander Walker other than he was a first-round pick, I think the 17th overall, uh, maybe four or five years ago. He's 24 years old, um, didn't play much this year for Utah, but seems like he's a all right two-way player. He's long, and he plays defense, which is a good start uh, for being on the Timberwolves, but not going to expect too much for him. Maybe he'll even go down to the G League team, but um, I guess to sum it up, it was nice to get rid of D'Lo and get a comparable point guard back who is a point guard, um, and then we got three second-round picks. Second-round picks in the NBA, as we know, aren't really highly regarded. They don't turn into a lot, um, but we traded our future away with the Gobert trade, so at least we're getting some picks back now. Anytime you say a player you pick up in free agency or in a trade, you know, if if, if one of the, the highlights you talk about is, oh, you know, he's a good two-way player, he's good at defense, he's a bad player. That's just a code for, for he's, he's, he's not good at playing professional basketball. That's, that's my two cents at least. <laughs> yeah, which is exactly why it wouldn't surprise me if he does end up going down to the G League. But yeah. I'm sure a lot of it was also just financial stuff making it work for both. Or I guess three teams. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> you mentioned the McLaughlin news. He's back tonight. He missed 35, I believe, of the last 38 games um, for the Wolves. One of the best plus-minus guys on the team. Um, one of the best plus-minus guys in the league, actually. He's incredible. I think it's like the Timberwolves per 100 possessions, or every 100 possessions are 12 points better on defense, 8 points better on offense when he is on the floor. Um, and, and the whole team loves him. The whole team seems to play better when he's out there. Um so good to have J-Mac back off the cap strain. I think that was like November, something like that, when he went down. Um, but definitely some some troubled waters the Wolves were in for a little while there with J-Mac out, with, with Carl out for that extended time. Carl still being out, and it sounds like we're going to get him back sometime after the All-Star break, which is next week, I believe. Um, so Carl's still probably a couple of weeks away. D'Lo traded that probably the height of his his potential value you mentioned how good he's been shooting the last month over the last 31 games he shot 48 percent from the field 42 percent from the three-point line he's averaging 10 three-point attempts a game so you're gonna have to make up some of that three-point shooting as the wolves are one of the lowest three-point shooting teams in the league and that's 
something that with this new age of analytics, you can't be attempting 20 less threes than the other team. You're not going to have a very good chance of winning those games, especially when you look at the percentages of some of these teams. Long story short, you're going to have to find a way to make up some of those three-pointers that Dilo was making the last month or so for the Wolves. Um, the good news, though, on that is Mike Conley, a 38% career three-point shooter. That's a pretty good clip. He's only shooting 36% this year. Um, but like you mentioned, probably the more important thing is to get a true point guard and somebody who has playoff experience, and a lot of that um, does Mike Conley. He's 35 years old. He's played with Rudy Gobert before uh, and had some tremendous success with him a couple of seasons ago in that pick-and-roll. Um, so we'll see if they can get something going there. D'Lo and Rudy from my limited um, <clears throat> Timberwolves watching this year, not a lot of chemistry, if any, and I'm very happy to see D'Lo go. Uh, it's no secret. We talked about it last season with, with the playoffs and everything that went on. I went on the record and said that I had heard from people that he wouldn't be back with this team. I think what happened, and I think they truly didn't want to have him back, um, but there was just nobody to take him. His trade value was so low. They were going to give him up for nothing. They were going to take all that dead cap space. Um, he, he is only 26 years old, so you never know what you're going to get with him, but um, at the end of the day, they were eventually able to get rid of him, and I think that was the plan all along. Now they are finally able to move on from D'Angelo Russell. He's headed back to L.A. Good riddance, D'Lo. Good luck. Um, It'll also be interesting to see how Westbrook does in Utah. Um, I think that Westbrook is overly hated on. I think that he's had a really underrated season so far. Um and now he gets an opportunity to get away from L.A. and the bright lights, which might be a good thing for him, um, and go out to Utah and see how he can, you know, potentially get this Utah Jazz team um, in the playoffs. Like Andy was saying, there's so many teams that are just a game, a half game, two games back from being in the playoffs, and, you know, it's going to be the Laurie Markin and Russell Westbrook show out there in Utah, and (laughs) a lot of believers might be going that way. I, I think, well, two things. I think some of the reporting, at least I've seen, is that Utah tends to buy him out and that uh, the Clippers and Bulls are the two teams that would be interested in picking up then. Um, because I think the the ownership of the Jazz have made it as clear as they can without coming out and saying it that they want Victor Webb and Yana. Um, and they, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Utah just falls off a cliff after the All Star break. Like they, they've been winning too much and they need to, they need to start losing quickly. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. I mean, one by Ayana, they talk about, I guess, once in a generation, the next LeBron, um, some are saying, who just obviously beat the scoring title. It took him, what, five more seasons than uh, Jordan? He's played five more seasons than Jordan. Um, or I guess he, would, he didn't beat Jordan, he beat Kareem. Kareem but yeah. uh, still, he's played five more seasons than Michael Jordan, and he's now all of a sudden the best player of all time for, for taking the scoring title. Anyway, uh, should we get into some Super Bowl chatter? Let's do it. I don't have anything else Wolves related. They're still kind of a sorry sack of shit in my book. Um, Philadelphia minus one and a half, the current line uh, from BetMGM, the over-under at 49 and a half. Some tidbits here before we get into a couple of prop bets and who you guys like in the game. Uh, it's the 10th time in 94 games for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs that the Chiefs are underdogs against the spread in those 10 uh, 10 times where they were underdogs. They're 7-1-1. One, and one. I don't know what happened to the other game. 6-3 um, <laughs> and three against the spread. Uh, maybe it was a tie. I don't know. 6-3 and three straight up, though, against the spread when they are underdogs. And they've never been underdogs, though. In the playoffs, obviously, there's a lot of questions about Patrick Mahomes, which is probably why the line is where it's at right now. 
what can A.J. Brown do against this young secondary in Kansas City. And obviously the running game is incredible. There's some injury issues for the Kansas City defense that we're not really sure. It sounds like Legereus Sneed is going to play. Um, He cleared concussion protocol. It sounds like on the other side of things, Kadarius Toney for the offense is going to play. That's still not for sure yet, but where it sits right now, I really like the Chiefs getting a point and a half. I know it's not a ton, uh, but I do like the Chiefs as underdogs. Your thoughts, BG? Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, they're both playing really, really damn good football right now. So I think it's going to be a close matchup. Um, I think I'd take the Eagles with minus one and a half point spread just in the playoffs, and they've definitely had the easier road than the Chiefs have, but they've been blowing people out. They've been looking really good. They have not been looking back at all, um, and I think they're going to keep that steam rolling um, in the Super Bowl. They've got such a dynamic offense with that running game, whether it's coming from Jalen Hurts or uh, the running backs that they have on that team. They're just a highly tuned offense and a really good defense, so I think they win the game. But to go against what I said, I saw there was a guy on Reddit who has picked the last 16 Super Bowl games, and they he's picked them wrong every single time the last 16 oh, wow. games. Um, and he picked the Eagles. So okay. if Good that follows, the Chiefs are going to win, and he's going to be wrong for the 17th year in a row, which would just be crazy odds. Um, but, yeah, it'll be a fun game. I'll be watching it down under um, on Monday in Australian time. That's so right. It'll be interesting to see what that's all about in a country other than the U.S. watching it. Okay, so it starts at 5 o'clock here. That's going to be... What time there? 16 hours ahead, I think? 17 from here. Okay, so 12, so that'll be 5 a.m. plus another five hours. About 10 a.m.? Yeah. 10 a.m. kick? Yeah. 10.30? 10.30, I think. Nice. And you land on Sunday morning? Yeah. At 10? So you got about 24 hours down under? To get acclimated. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You you should watch with Oscar. Yeah. So he, he texted me, but they're having like a big house party the Saturday, like a day before we get there, which is too bad. but. Yeah, I'll end up t- uh, texting them to see if where they're going to go for it, if they're going to watch it. I'd am- I don't even know if people there are going to be watching the game. There'll be some people. It won't like, like this. It'll be like business as usual in the city, but there'll yeah. be places where the people will be watching it. Yeah, so but, looking know, forward to that. That a, should be really cool. Find a sports pub. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy, you got any props you like? Or I guess I can give you one while you slide over here. Um, this is really the only prop that I love. And it's the national anthem. It's being sung by Chris Stapleton. The over-under is two minutes, three seconds. Got to take the over on that. Chris Stapleton, he's a deep country single, loves to hold those notes out. It's going way over. A a thousand percent, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an awesome national anthem. I'm so looking forward to that. So I... I, uh, I like the over as well, uh, Beal. Um, and I also take, I always take heads. Heads? Heads, okay. yep. Um, what website is that that you're looking at? Uh, I'm looking under the athletic right now. Because um, right now on Bovada, it has Chris Stapleton's, um, I guess, length being 2 minutes, 7 seconds. 2 minutes, 7 seconds. And that's minus 190. So oh, heavy ooh. favorite to go over still wow, at 2-7. Okay. okay. Uh, and this could have changed since the, this was written down here, but I still like the over on that i don't know i guess i have to do a little more research on to how long the average one goes but yeah it seems like he's going to hold some of those notes for a while one of one of my one of my long-standing theories is that you know the nfl they everything about the super bowl is as scripted as possible 
And I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, if they pre-record at the stadium the anthem. And so, like, the acoustics, everything, it sounds natural. It's him singing it probably a couple days beforehand in the stadium. But it's all pre-recorded, and someone out there knows the length of it. And maybe that's why it's minus 190, is that, you know, Bavada knows one way or the other which way it's going. Um, but that's, I, I, I think most of the halftime show is also, I, I think ever since the, um, the Justin Timberlake incident um, of our youth, um, a lot of the halftime show is pretty well um, scripted when it comes to, um, uh, not auto-tune, but pre-recording, basically, lip-syncing. Yeah, I remember last year for the Super Bowl, somebody was outside of the stadium like a couple days before, and I forget who sang the national anthem last year. Um, I don't remember. But you could hear her singing, and the guy recorded on his phone and set a timer to it. And then it went super viral, and everybody was betting on the over. Uh-huh. And I think it ended up it hitting. Huh. So, well, we're gonna have to send some intel. We do. If we could get somebody outside of the, the next stadium, I guess Phoenix is indoors. University of Phoenix rivers indoors. I but think Parker's down there. Is we, he? We could talk to Parker. <clears throat> if we could get somebody outside the stadium. Finally, make to, his bets a little better. To if record he's got some insider oh, info. Oh, we, we could get as. <laughs> mu- I mean, it'd still be risky because you never know. Like if they're actually yeah. doing that, but if we could just put like a million bucks on that. You know, or however much money we could count. How much up. money we could <laughs> get <Yeah>. together? <laughs> yeah, we want a ten million dollar loan, sir. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a ton of props written down, but I'm looking at them now. What uh, else do you got? Gatorade color or whatever the yep. liquid is. The favorite right now is orange, at about even money. That's going to be poured on the winning coach, and then so it's orange, lime green, or yellow. That's the second one at plus two ten, and then from there. Blue jumping up to plus five hundred, then red, purple, and clearer water after that. What's slightly related? What is when when you played high school sports, or I guess both of you a little bit of college sports? Um, what was your if you had to pick the Gatorade on the sideline, like the Gatorade flavor? What Gatorade would it be for me? It's either yellow or orange. Just taste, you're saying? Yeah, just for taste. If it's Gatorade, I say blue for sure. Oh, I love blue. I would go purple. I think purple is the best. Purple's good too. The best tasting for my taste. Um, but all right, here's another one for you. What song will be the first one played at the Rihanna halftime show? The favorite right now in the clubhouse is "Don't Stop the Music" at plus three hundred. Diamonds, "What's My Name," "Stay," and "Umbrella" right around the five plus five hundred plus six hundred range. I'm surprised Disturbia oh, isn't oh, on here. That's I love. Her, I love. We found love as as the opener. I, I I think that's um, I think that'd be a killer opener for her to come I, out I to. I mean, I'm and and yeah, Disturbia is not on there. How does the she best not? Rihanna that song. Is. How is <laughs> that not? Wait, give a little context. Uh, a couple months ago, um, Beal and I were hanging out down in Florida for whatever whoever God knows reason, and my phone started playing a song on repeat, and it was Disturbia. And I apologized to Beal. He goes, "No, no, no, just let it play on repeat. This song, this song slaps. <laughs> <laughs> it is a banger. It is." Yeah, it's a Here's song. a good one I found. Uh, Andy Reid special. If the Chiefs win, will Andy Reid be doused in barbecue sauce after the game? <laughs> yes is plus 1,600. No is minus 15,000. If you could somehow sneak some some barbecue sauce into that locker room post game, oh, we could make a whole bunch of money, fellas. Yeah, they've got a lot of good Andy Reid stuff. Will he eat a cheeseburger before the end of the Super Bowl broadcast? Yes is plus 650. 
If they win, he's going to eat a cheeseburger. Will the words burger or cheeseburger be said by Andy Reid during the postgame interview? Yes. Yes is plus 165. <laughs> yeah. I think that I feel happen. like it's going to happen. Uh, will they mention or show a clip or picture of Andy Reid competing in punt, pass, kick contest? <laughs> yes is plus 115, so pretty much even money and there. Anything on uh, Jackson Holmes? Nothing yet. Over I'm under point five down. TikToks. <laughs> what team apparel will Drake be wearing on Super Bowl Sunday <laughs> for the Drake curse? Minus three fifty for the Chiefs. Hmm. Oh, he's definitely wearing yeah. the Chief stuff. First TV advertisement: Avocados from Mexico versus Hellman's, which is going to show up first. Avocados from Mexico is minus four fifty. I don't even know why that would be the two options. Do they? Uh, they've do got they a bunch it? of them. Okay. Doritos M and M's. Who's going to be showed first? Yeah. Doritos Pringles. Heineken oh. Budweiser. Is that first commercial like after the kickoff? I'm no, assuming. Just which one is shown first between oh, the two between companies? Them. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. Well, former NFL star Gronk oh. appear in an advertisement. <laughs> well, uh, he will. He's kicking a field goal. Oh wait, no. This says something different. Who will appear first? Gronk, Tony Romo, or Deion Sanders? I guess they're all in one. So I, I did just see one about Jackson Mahomes, and this is on Bovada. How many TikTok videos will Jackson Mahomes post during the Super Bowl? You guys want to guess what the line is at? Uh, over one and a half is uh, plus 250. Well, you got the line right. It is over one and a half. It's plus 145. Oh, okay. Under one and a half is minus 190. should hire me, Bovada. I feel like he's been pretty quiet recently. Yeah. Since I, well, and since he like sprayed champagne, or maybe that was his wife. That was his wife, yeah. But after that, I feel like they've been the, pretty, pretty tame. The the rumors are is that that Patrick Mahomes' wife is a menace in Kansas City. Like just really people people are not a big people are to, not a big fan. We'll, we'll have, have to ask to, Andy Spencer, yeah, Kansas yeah. City local. The 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 other one that that's interesting too is you know last year I thought Michelob with with that uh, Serena Williams ad with you know Jimmy Butler and Peyton Manning and mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi and just going after the uh, mocking the uh, or spoofing the Big Lebowski that was a great ad and and there's leaks of a similar ad this year that's on the golf course mm-hmm. uh, not in that uh, not a Michelob Bolt, uh, Ultra Bolt partner anymore is Brooks Kepka so do oh. they do they find a new golfer to uh, to, to sub into their golf ad, and, and who might that be? My guess would be Justin Thomas, but we'll see. Could be. Um, any other props, BG or Randy? Will Tom Cruise parachute into the stadium <laughs> and hand deliver the game ball to the referees? Uh, is that- yes is plus 2,500. But this is all Bovana, so, Bovada, so this is okay. legit stuff you can bet on. Another one is if the price of Ethereum is going to go up during the Super Bowl, <laughs> price of Bitcoin going up during the Super Bowl. Lots of bets uh, people can be making. What about uh, what about will the uh, the dome be open or closed? Because they have like one of those like Dallas style domes, right in Arizona. Uh, I don't do they? know. They have the grass that you. I know they, they wheel the out. I, I feel like they have like just over like the field. Retractable dome. Let's Let me see. look it up. Well, here you guys look it up and I'll talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nothing else Super Bowl really. The only other notes I had though is. The next week, the PGA Tour um, Netflix series comes out full swing on February 15th. That's next Wednesday, a week from today, um, six days from now if you're listening um, here on Thursday. But it's going to be flipping awesome. They released another trailer this week. It looks awesome. What a year, uh, Andy. I guess you're the only other golf guy here. But what a year to start following uh, PGA Tour players and now live Tour players. It's gonna be flipping awesome. T- Can't wait. Taking the words out of uh, out of Ian Poulter's mouth right there. Um, and then you have the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Um, uh, 
with I think it's like 23 of the top 25 golfers in the yeah. world. I mean, it's basically like a major field without the live guys. And um, that is going to be sick. Last year, the ending was electric. And I think um, it went to a playoff that bled into the Super Bowl. Um, but I think regulation finished like 30 minutes before the Super Bowl began. So, um, you know, it's going to be ready there all week. There's going to be a ton of celebrities there. The 16th hole is going to be rocking. Um, probably a top five, top five event on the PGA Tour outside of outside of majors every year. Absolutely, and this season elevated points for the PGA Tour, and yeah, obviously you got the big field there. It's going to be sweet. PG, you had something. The roof does open for the record. There we go. Um, that's all I got. Anybody else? Let's wrap it right there. First show back after, I think, a six, seven-week hiatus. We'll try to keep this as regular as possible. I got one more month of really grinding on basketball and football, or sorry, basketball and hockey at uh, the high school level and at the uh, D3 Augsburg. So my next month is going to be pretty chaotic. Our release schedule will be probably the same kind of chaotic, um, but we'll try to get as many episodes as we can out. Talking Wolves, the new look Timberwolves. And it's very exciting with the T-Wolves and how crappy the West is this year because, I mean, they could realistically, if they found their stride here in the last couple of months, get to a West Conference Finals or even like a semifinals in the Western Conference, which would be insane. I know we're a long way out for that. We're ninth in the conference right now, so what am I saying? But (laughs) you never know. I mean, the West is terrible, so let's let's see what happens. A lot of good stuff to talk. We'll start talking some more St. Thomas basketball. You and I, BG, are heading to the game tonight, uh, Thursday night, against Oral Roberts, the first place team in the Summit League. Plenty of stuff to talk about there. We'll talk about all that in the next uh, couple of months. And uh, we'll see you guys when we record next.